Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24. Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Redefining Security podcast. Have you ever thought that we are selling cybersecurity insincerely, buying it indiscriminately, and deploying it ineffectively? Perhaps we are. So let's look at how we can organize a successful InfoSec program that integrates people, process, technology, and culture to drive growth and protect business value. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. iTrust is a leading data protection standards development and certification organization that strives to safeguard sensitive information and manage information risk for global organizations across all industries and throughout the third-party supply chain. Learn more at HighTrustAlliance.net. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. Marco. Sean. Did you miss the cars that had no brakes? I missed it once. (laughs) (laughs) Then I didn't get on, on one again. Can you believe if there was a problem? Well, you know, if, if you don't design something with all the scenarios in mind, you're going to miss a scenario. <laughs> you, you might get lucky and only drive uphill all the time, and therefore you don't need brakes. Yeah, so, maybe, some, like, maybe if you back down, I don't know. There's probably no scenario w- where the car needs no brakes. Apart from the car, but I wonder why, for example, we need to put instruction on a candle, say, don't, don't put a near drapery because you're going to get on fire, or don't touch the fire, or... Ice could be cold. I mean, are we that <laughs> in need of knowing all of this? Can we, what I'm saying is, can we just look into the future, imagine how a product is going to be used or how as users, we maybe need to kind of take some responsibility for that. But unfortunately, I'm afraid that in the topic of cybersecurity, we have a lot to go. Absolutely. And interesting you brought the warning labels, but because uh, I think we're talking about product design. I guess if you're building something that's dangerous, that's one thing. But if you're building something that you don't even think has any danger associated with it, maybe that's the issue. Right? But you see, you, you, you can get something small and you have to say kids shouldn't put that in their mouth. <laughs> it's not dangerous per se. It's not a knife. It's not Penny, a... Pennies taste good, Mark. <laughs> It seems like you have experience on nice that. Nice and coppery. But, but we're not talking about pen. Well, kind of, we're talking about pennies too, but we'll, we'll get there. Who, who's <laughs> we'll our guest there. and what's you our know, topic, Sean? Yeah, let's, let's quit messing around. Let, let's bring uh, Christy Chafee in because I, I want her to mess around with us. This is going to be a fun topic. Christy, thanks for <laughs> joining us. Uh, thank you, Marco and Sean. It's great to be here. A few yes. years since I've, since I've seen you both. Oh, yeah. It's been a few years since That's I've seen you. anyone. Kayla <laughs> in in uh, Las Vegas. Yeah, right. that That's was right. it. 
Good times. And uh, well, I'm I'm thrilled to thrilled to have you on the show, and and great to to connect again. And today's topic is all about the relationship and the connection between product development slash engineering. Maybe and we probably won't go too deep into the engineering. We'll see. And cybersecurity and the idea of building security and and understanding risk as you're designing stuff um, rather than poking or plugging holes and making patches afterwards. So we're going to have some fun with this. Uh, Christy, first, a few words about what you've been up to and uh, why this area is uh, a passion for you to to talk about with us. Yes. uh, Thank you so much. Product management, product development, I, I keep talking about uh, these items in different scenarios, and I do it because there's so much to cover in this discipline that I almost need to keep recycling the information to get my own thoughts around where the industry's going. Um, and Marco, you know, aren't the best products the ones that you don't even know you're using, uh, the ones that you seamlessly can get through just enough information uh, to know exactly what's needed from you as the user, and you know the value um, and the expected outcome is is exactly as you expect. So, uh, passionate about product management, have working uh, been working for about the last ten years in some capacity in it in uh, technology. So, um, just happy to be talking about it and sharing some of the the great things that I've seen over the years. Nice one, and. Uh... So many thoughts in my head. Is I mean, we've been preparing for this for a few months now, <laughs> organizing schedules, and uh, having my my background and and leading up to this, my mind is just full of stuff. But I want to get your initial perspective before I start dropping all my my thoughts and ideas in here. What's the perception of each other's teams? How does product management look at the role of cybersecurity, and cybersecurity look at the role of product management? So uh, so I'll cover just some of the basics of tech. I'll say technical product management, because we, after all, are building technical solutions. So some of the things you would get in general product development, uh, just, you know, not as much of a priority as um, some of the uh, handoffs, like you're saying, between not only products and security teams, but products and the engineering teams that are developing and maintaining them. Um, So product development, uh, product-driven development, scaled agile frameworks keep pushing the industry in this direction. Uh, And the reason is, uh, is the desire for organizations to have transparency in ways they previously didn't have with technology. So businesses uh, used to use technology to enhance the, uh, the processes and really the value they were offering to customers. Now our businesses are completely dependent and relying on these technical solutions. So where your resources are going, um, understanding the value you're delivering to customers, whether or not that's effective, if you're stably, uh, you know, stable as a company as you're making these service offerings, these are things that we need to know to run our businesses. And this is how uh, product development just continues to see, um, you know, fuel in the, in- the industry to become really a a standard best practice. Um, So when we talk about security product management, I would say it takes it a step further where 
you yourself as a product must be secure. So there is no vending security solutions, whether you're doing it uh, as a third party to another or um, client uh, or doing it within an organization. Uh, these security, um, almost the very basics of how you've built the foundation of your product is one of the most important things to know as a product manager. Um, and, you know, I've sat in both roles. I've sat in roles that are just technical product managers and security product manager management. And, you know, really it's the same function with just a, a much more heightened view on um, the security of our own product when we're sitting in one of those uh, cyber aligned functions. So you, you say a couple of things that, of course, we, we've talked in other in other conversation, but I always come back to that. And and more and more, there is a cybersecurity is not just a tech problem. It's not just a security problem. It's a business problem because you can't score. You can't say, "Oh, I do this product." By the way, I use a little bit of technology. And by the way, some of that technology is secure. <laughs> it doesn't work like that, right? So. It all has to have a holistic view to to all of these, and I'm sure that with your experience, it you have seen the the progression of this. So, are we there yet? Like, is the business understanding and being part of security and security integrated in the business conversation? I I think we're moving in that direction. Uh, I've also seen many of our business leaders come from technology now. So uh, these leaders bring with them uh, that experience and then make it part of their priority to, to understand, you know, again, and this is about influencing, right? So the business leaders are really looking to their cyber partners and making sure it's clear that uh, this is a priority to them. They're going to fund it in a way that can be effective. Uh, they want to understand their vulnerabilities and risks, right? These are things that uh, absolutely have impact to business risk as well. Um, so ongoing conversations with their security teams, um, I, th I think we're moving in that direction, I do. Let's talk about direction. And a, a project or a product just doesn't magically appear, right? It gets built. And depending on the maturity level, you might have very formal teams and processes that look at a bunch of things, or you might not, and somebody just starts coding. Right? So, so talk to me about product management and, and the process that they go through. And then maybe as you're doing that, uh, weave in where security fits in. Because I'm thinking starting with like the PRD, the product requirements document, that is to Marco's point, probably all driven by what What's the market opportunity? How do we capture that? What features do we need to do that? And none of that of what I just said defines how we do that securely necessarily. So talk to me about the process leading from that or if there's something even before that that I'm not aware of. Yep, I'm actually gonna start a little upstream from you. So within an organization, ideally you're gonna start seeing the development of product operating models. And this is because we don't want to just build a single product. We need to be able to build and maintain a suite of products. Uh, we see this in higher demand as we move towards the public cloud. And now we're managing multiple different infrastructures uh, with very different technologies. And we have to have a way to look at things and understand things in a similar fashion so that we're, we're using that data actively to make decisions. Uh, so 
if you're in a situation where maybe you're in a startup or a smaller company and you don't see a product model in place, I would, you know, go ahead and create that first. Uh, and what would go into a product model? Uh, definition of roles and responsibilities, some of the basics, looking at how you want to put teams together. Um, we want products to be long lived, especially in the cyber security industry. Products reach a maturity after a, you know, a series of times of consistent deliver or deliverables and you know teams working together. So sometimes the most damaging thing we can see is attrition in a security team when the investment to make those teams great, um, you know, it, it really it it does take quite a bit of hard work and understanding to to move at a mature, efficient uh, rate. So uh, so put a product model in place. This will start covering some of the basics. Uh, think about how you want to review your products, typically quarterly. Um, how you're managing your finances, you know, this gives you a bit of a home base. And again, do this security product, technical product, um, cover it either way. I is this, is this, sorry, Christy, is this ahead. where you begin to at least evaluate uh, the technical platforms and, and technology stacks that you want to use on-prem versus cloud, which clouds, um, mobile web, all that stuff. Is that where some of this comes into play? Absolutely. I would say just after you have some of those basics in place, you start looking at uh, if you're building from scratch, what you're trying to achieve and what technologies are, are best available to you to reach that goal. Um, not everybody has the luxury of building their security products from scratch. Usually they're inheriting, uh, you know, prior generations of uh, what was the vision and, you know, how far it was taken at any given time. Uh, so understanding where you are today and what modernization of the products you're doing, I, I would say that all comes next. And so right after product operating model, very next place I go is strategy, vision, and roadmaps. So this is exactly what you said, Sean. You're going to uh, outline the vision for your product, the value you're trying to offer. Uh, strategy comes from being very self-aware from where you are today. So having a strategy that uh, moves your product in the ways that it needs to go. And, you know, I, I would say any technical product could be on the range of maturity when you step into it from a product management perspective. Um, so, you know, good strategy makes a big difference. And then lay out your roadmap. Um, you, you know, if you're building from scratch, we are. So I'm, I'm going to dive into your prior question about uh, readiness go live uh, for security products. If you're building from scratch, you really need to have a comprehensive understanding of the security that your technologies are faced with. Uh, vulnerability management, identity and access management, uh, how you're going to monitor these items, making sure if you have uh, logging and monitoring set in place and there's a security operation teams at the other end, there's an intensive amount of training that goes into those teams. So um, having all of those handoffs done prior to launch, it's it's kind of meats and potatoes for security products. Um, and that needs to be, you know, right after strategy, vision and roadmaps, I would say baselining what those security non-functional requirements are, are is like the very next step for you. You mentioned many times here uh, starting from scratch, but do, do you ever do we ever really start from scratch? I mean, don't we always build on the shoulder of something else? 
I'm going a little bit philosophical here, right? Like it's like when you create something. So the, the, even if you're inspired by maybe something that another product is done and you think you're going to do it better, I mean, how much leg legacy of good stuff can you can you bring with you? So love the question. Uh, I'm going to stay up here, you know, 50,000 feet high with you and say, don't we hope as product managers, we get the opportunity to create something new. There are so many new technologies, especially in the last few years that have started surfacing. Uh, probably, you know, some product managers dreams to get ahead of that and develop the first security product uh, to, you know, pull those solutions together. So I, I don't know, Marco. I would say maybe if you asked me two years ago, I would have answered in a different way. But now we see multi-cloud coming. So, you know, there's there's a frontier, I would say, we've yet to explore. So um, Right, but some lesson learned maybe that don't come straight from the technology, the technicality, but from learning from other business models in the past that maybe you can apply. So I'm, I'm looking in, you know, it's just like, Sean, sometimes we say that we do technology just because technology allow that. Or yeah. do we do we do it? Yeah, <laughs> blinking lights, and of course, you know. Or, or do we build it around an experience and and that? So I'm, yeah, and I and I'm gonna maybe take us this direction with that because I'm I'm thinking as you described the the product model, Christy. If if you're thinking big picture strategically, the first thing that comes to mind and something that's gonna live on multiple products. Uh, I'm thinking the first thing that comes to mind is like customer data. Do you manage customer data in everything you build as an individual product or do you manage it in a single spot that has that gives access to the product? And then, then the thing that comes to mind to me is modules. So you're building components that can be reused across multiple products and which makes things more complex. But then, then to Marco's point, if you if you get that right, <laughs> then it's easier to maintain and reuse in many places. But if you're just using a piece of junk and, and replicating it everywhere, then you're in trouble. I would, I would think, uh, so after you're building your product today, you almost can't get through a product conversation without talking about user journeys and what's happening in that part of the industry. So I would say usability is where you'll be competitive. Uh, if you're missing this, just like we mentioned in the very beginning, and your product is difficult to integrate with, too hard to configure, tons of questions, um, you know, back and forth to support teams to get things in the right way, like this will, uh, you know, negatively impact the experience of your customers, and, and you're going to find a competitor who will do those things correctly. So um, the industry has started really embracing this user journey, user flows. Uh, we see the development of experienced teams. If you have uh, a high, you know, any one of our uh, cloud providers, a high rate of use, a broad uh, number of skill sets of individuals using your product, you better be investing in that experience side and understanding um, what it really takes to use your product to be successful. Sometimes in security products, it's the opposite. People have to use you, you know, internally in large organizations. Uh, most often these cybersecurity controls are just required by teams to use. So we do see 
uh, you know, maybe the user experience isn't as invested in, or there's some manual steps that never quite get automated. But as a product owner, it is your responsibility to know if your product has those, um, you know, deficiencies and, and how to pull them forward. So uh, the exciting part about being a product owner is like, I love this, like you are the problem owner. Um, it, you're, you're not coding you're not doing the testing. Therefore, you are hustling from the end to end of your product, uh, staffing your teams correctly and making sure that the experience is a positive experience for your customers. Like that is 100% on you. Once once these experience start, how, how do you design with the flexibility in mind to know that there's going to be always some tune up that needs to be done. So you don't, you don't design in a box, but you, you, you can get in there once the product goes out there, almost like always in a better version. <laughs> yes. Uh, guilty uh, of not doing this well in certain times over my career. Like there's something wonderful about jumping in a room and technically designing how a product will work and, leaving all of that customer integration uh, thought for probably too late um, in in the requirement defining sessions. Uh, I'd say it's, it's not easy making sure you are raising those questions. Um, depending on the complexity of your product, you know, IAM is a huge one, understanding the entitlements, how somebody accesses things. If you're doing any sort of privileged access or um, you know, working with uh, certain types of data sets, these things are, you know, have to be attested to. And there's um, always a handful of regulations depending on, um, you know, what exactly you're working with. So for security products, it, it's important to be hyper aware of these things. Uh, and it, it can go wrong. And I'm wondering, Christy, uh, do we see any areas where and the reason I'm asking this question is I, I'm, I'm thinking user scenarios are an easy way to kind of bring people together, but you just said it's really hard. <laughs> so are there, are there any other ways to kind of bring multiple teams together that are actually building this stuff where they have a common understanding of what the goal is? Is it the user stories, even though they are hard, or is there something else where there's a connection that uh, will bring the teams together? No, that's a great question. Uh, and I'll go back to Marco's, point a couple minutes ago about where does experience start? I think the experience starts the minute we start talking about these products. Uh, and again, on the product manager to really own this. So uh, having concrete vision, strategy, value statements, having sessions uh, where you're verbally talking about your product and explaining these things, making user videos. There are some amazing, uh, great content creators these days where you know, what used to take teams of teams of people, uh, technologies allowed now very small groups to cover all of these bases. Um, thinking of your product as an experience, uh, you know, bringing in your own view of what works as a customer and then trying to hit those notes, whether that's regular communication, direct outreach. Like there's so many channels you can go through. Uh, I think the the mistake is if you're only hitting one of them. Technology's just made it too easy these days. Yeah, well, too easy or maybe 
Too complicated. <laughs> Ooh, touche. <laughs> so you talk about the importance of groups coming together, and, and of course, you all need to paddle in the same direction. Mm. I think that's fundamental. Yes. Do you feel certain industries may have, because of the nature of the industry and the nature of the service that they provide or product that they provide, they have it easier than other talking about technology making things easier or um you know i'm thinking like you know, transportation yeah. versus finance versus healthcare versus consumer product and so forth i have i have a six-year-old now so i'm constantly judging our uh school's technology systems oh that's a good one <laughs> if i had more time i'd be doing this voluntarily uh, uh, voluntarily but uh, so a few things in, I would say, just technology's favor. There, there are scaled frameworks out there that, you know, my first experience was about 10 years ago. Um, so now it's, uh, you know, the agile, um, doing product-driven development, domain-driven development, all of these uh, standards in the industry help move people in the right direction. So what we see is, you know, you can hire somebody from the transportation industry with product experience and they can slide into the roles in finance because the motions are, are often the same. And I would say if not the motions, the mindset is definitely the same. So um, with regards to certain industries, you know, I'd say it depends on when the organization started putting some of these practices into place and the quality and time they've taken to train their workforce. Um, I don't think, you know, most days I don't see a lot of teams uh, with the appetite for agile best practices. But regardless of the team that I'm stepping into, whether on the cyber side or on a cloud side, um, which, you know, security streams through both of those. Um, some of the very basics that we put in place when it comes to meeting with the engineering teams on a regular cadence, work refinement, you know, ceremonies. Those are just some of the uh, easy things that anybody can do in any industry. And, you know, just by doing the basics, you'll see the, those positive outcomes with product development. Uh, and, and I'm experiencing, you know, uh, that all over my career where uh, as the teams I'm working with change, you know, we're just kind of starting from scratch. But to your point earlier, never starting I like always starting from experience, never, mm -hmm. never really starting from zero anymore. Right. Yeah, and I guess to that point, Christy, I mean, there's so many new technologies, new coding tools and platforms, new infrastructures, new, I mean, everything's new, right? And as soon as you, as soon as you land and pick on something or pick something and land on it, uh, your engineering team wants to try something different. Because it's it's fun. That shiny blinking light, as Mark was talking about. So how how do teams communicate? Maybe there there will be challenges. Like that's a big one, right? If you pick a platform and you, in the middle of it, you say no, that's not the right one. Um, but how do teams uncover the gaps? Because you don't just ma magically end up at the end point that everybody wants. Uh, you you kind of have to shepherd things along and they're, they're going to be disconnects and disagreements. And so how do you find teams working together to overcome those? I know. And I'm like the agile tools, uh, probably worst advertising um, 
specialist because I am a little old fashioned. Like I will kick back to a PowerPoint and some basic roadmap templates if you know, we aren't in a mature state. So I don't think uh, the tools will make or break you is my point. Um, there are some amazing collaboration tools in the industry today where you can update whiteboards at the same time. And again, highly um, pushed forward with the last two years of all of us being remote. Like there are some great uh, items out there. If that's not something in your budget today, you can still recreate this. Uh, my first experience with Agile was with writing sticky notes and putting them on the wall um, and then gaining, you know, to your point, it's all about alignment, Sean. So so just, um, you know, using the tools available to you, if you're lucky enough to have some of the latest ones, um, then you're definitely lucky enough. Uh, but, um, you know, refining work in a way that's uh, iterative over time, a baselining understanding between the teams. Uh, agile development is, isn't just about meeting together regularly. It's about having enough understanding of what you're doing where you can pivot to value if, if you're not on that track. So true agility over our organizations is about recognizing um, when things aren't going in, a, in the right direction and then having enough control over your resources and transparency in uh, the day-to-day -day operations of your teams where you know how to start slotting work that will move you in a different direction. Um, and, and then I go back to the basics, right? Make sure you have basic monitoring in place for um, your groups. You can't scale crappy code. You can't have secure apps without um, being secure from the start. So, uh, you know, cover your basics as a product manager. And um, there's, uh, I'll leave with this, there's like 30% of your time is focused on what you've built. 30% of your time is focused on building what you're uh, delivering today. And then 30% of your time is focused on the future. And if you can keep that balance, like you will, you'll be covered. And then the other 30%, oh no, no. I know, yeah. <laughs> No, and I, I think this, this is really cool. And I, I want to go back to one thing you said as, as we wrap here. And, and I was thinking about this, that you, you mentioned the user videos. And I was thinking, I mean, we, we have, we, we bring products to market and then we do technical product marketing and product marketing and marketing and marketing communications and PR. And we forget all that stuff for our own teams. Right. If we can, if we can get our own teams jazzed up about why we're building something, and who it's for, and and how we're going to come together and make this happen with videos and other things, can we leverage marketing? Can we leverage uh, maybe not PR, but internal PR anyway to really get the team on track in the same direction, motivated? Uh, I don't know. Seem seems like a cool, fun thing to do for me. Definitely. People want to be part of it, right? They don't want to, like even your engineers don't always want to just be engineering. So give them a chance to do the demos, have them involved with, you know, building the vision. I agree. Yeah. It is a we thing. <laughs> yeah, I definitely like the 30% look into the future. Because if you think you're done with this product, you know, think of it as a very short life, but you're, 
you minimize the risk in your head as well. If you're doing something that's going to last for a long time and I go back to then somebody's going to build on top of that, it better be a solid product. So I, I think being part of that vision, it's it's motivating, it's inspirational, and it just makes a, probably a better product. So that's my advertisement. <laughs> nice one. Well, listen, Christy, I think we could we could chat about this forever. We, we kind of did a nice brush across many things. Um, happy to go deeper in, in a future chat, but I'm really thrilled to have you on. And, and uh, Marco, thanks for uh, thanks for being part of this one. Cool. Yeah, it was fun. It was great to to talk to Christy after such a long time. Hopefully, next time we'll be in person, and uh, and um, I think we're all looking forward to that. So, Absolutely. soon enough. Thank you both so much, and uh, until next time. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. iTrust is a leading data protection standards development and certification organization that strives to safeguard sensitive information and manage information risk for global organizations across all industries and throughout the third-party supply chain. Learn more at hightrustalliance.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Security Podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24.